What's up, people? This is You're Not Listening, the interactive podcast where we teach you how to actively listen to music one song at a time. This is our very first episode, so thanks for joining us. And before we start talking about the songs we picked tonight for our first episode, I want to remind everyone to find us on all the social media, Twitter and Instagram. We are at YNL Podcast. There's also a You're Not Listening page on Facebook. And if you like that page, you can be part of the community and take part in some of the conversations that are happening over there. We got a good following early on, which is pretty cool. We got almost 200 likes already, and this is we haven't even released our first episode yet. So super excited to really get this going, ramp it up. Remember, every song that we talk about will be on the official You're Not listening podcast playlist on Spotify. And we will link to that in the show notes and on all the social media and all the websites, but you can find it pretty easily on Spotify. We will also be including the most recent episode of You're Not Listening in that playlist. So everything will be right there for you. And lastly, make sure that you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Swoot, Overcast, Bullhorn.fm, wherever you listen to quality podcasts, we are there. And if we are not there, please let us know and we'll make sure that we make that happen. All right, so for our first two songs, we picked a super intense, super dramatic song followed up by just an absolute classic. We're going to be talking about Disturb's cover of The Sound of Silence by Simon and Garfunkel, and then we're going to talk about Fortunate Son by Creedence Clearwater Revival. And if you think that you don't like these songs, or if you think they're overplayed, or just not that great, then you're not listening. So clean out your ears and listen up. Let's do this. Episode one. Nice. Here we go. We're here. We're, we're in it. Uh, I feel so special. I know. I've been planning this for a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, as we mentioned in the trailer episode, this is an interactive podcast. So make sure that you check out the show notes so you get the link for the Spotify playlist. If you're searching Spotify, it is the official You're Not Listening podcast playlist. And right now it has two songs in it. There you go. <laughs> because this you is our first episode. Somewhere. That's right. You start somewhere. It's, that's only going to grow. Like I said, every time we do um, a new episode, we're going to add more songs. We're going to add the songs that we talk about to that playlist. So it's going to grow and grow and grow and grow. So I want to get right into it. I'm starting with a heavy hitter right from the get-go. It is, but it's also cross-generational we as well. Went, yeah, we spent a lot of time trying to figure out what songs we wanted to start with. And I think I chose this song. It's kind of funny because it's kind of a slow, sad song. But Yeah, I was kind of surprised. It, well, it is and it isn't, but it's an epic song in it's the epic. of it. It's totally epic. And the, uh, I chose it because I think it's a song that people can easily understand how people can like get a lot out of it and how it can affect people because it's really heavy. So I chose Disturbed's cover of The Sound of Silence by Simon and Garfunkel. Wow. All right, go ahead and open up the official You're Not Listening podcast playlist in Spotify. You can find the link to that in our show notes for this show. Or if you're already listening on Spotify, you're probably in that playlist right now or have access to it really easily. Or you can go ahead and listen to these songs on YouTube by clicking the links in the show notes. And then after you listen to it, come on back and we'll talk about it. This song is, I have an interesting history with this song. So I I used to really like the original version. I like Simon Garfunkel. Yeah, it's hard not to. But so this song came out and it was one of those things where it kind of went viral really quickly. I don't know if you remember when it when they first released it. Like it was like a year ago, two years ago. I why was it in the movie? What did it go so big? I mean, it went from zero to so sixty they, so quickly. So they performed it on Conan O'Brien. Okay. 
and the video of that performance is like what went viral. People started sharing it all over Facebook, oh, and, okay. and and I had everyone sending it to me. Okay, like people they were like, like "Oh my god, check this out! This is awesome!" Because you like them or you like the song or both? They just were sending it to me. Yeah, I just I don't know. I just had people sharing it with me. Nice. I guess they thought I would like it, and I was like, "Okay, sound of silence, whatever, disturbed, whatever, you know, down with the sickness." <laughs> yeah, I know. that's all I kept thinking of. That's like, like yeah. you know, that's their, obviously their other biggest song. That was a big basketball song back. That's in a huge song. That song is also epic yes but it's also very upsetting to listen to yeah so i'm not going to get into that one but this song i was like okay whatever i'll i'll get to this when i get to it and people were sharing it and all this stuff and i never really watched it i never listened to it and then i was driving to work one day or home from work and it came on the radio and they're like here's the new cover of sound Sound of silence (laughs) i'm like oh okay there's people have been sharing this with me i'll give it i guess i'll live it yeah listen to it today Yeah. yeah yeah exactly and so i was playing it and i was driving and, you know, it starts off really quiet and kind of somber and pretty dark. It sounds, I mean, it's a dark song, but it sounds very dark. And then at, I think it's one, around one, a minute, 40 seconds is when he goes into, and in the naked light, I sign it, like, it starts to build. And I went way, yeah, yeah. <laughs> pull over the side of the road. Pull, that's it. exactly what I did. I pulled <laughs> no over way. and I, I pulled really? over and I stopped <laughs> awesome. and I listened to the rest of the song because I couldn't <laughs> drive. Because this song is just... It well, was, it builds anyway. The it was original so does epic. everything. So, I mean, when you take it to another level and put so much more instrumentation in it, that's going to just kick into another level. Well, it was one of those moments where I heard that, it, like, the second he started to build up like that, I was like, this this is something else. Like, this is on a whole new level. Because, like you said, that song is very kind of monotone. It does, like, the original song right. doesn't change. It kind of drones at the beginning. It yeah. drones. Yep. And yep. he, I mean... David Draymond, who's the singer of Disturbed, he starts off really low, kind of quiet, too. and he his final note at the end of the song, they're just like it's like two octaves up. Yeah, <laughs> like unbelievable range. Like it's so high, and his power. range is ridiculous. And power too. Yeah, it's his voice is so powerful, and I think you see that a lot with a lot of hard rock singers is that they're so they have trained their voice so well to be able to hit these different styles. So I, I mean, I've heard the song obviously, and I, I've seen, I think the video. The, the 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 official video is, is unbelievable. It's epic as well. When you heard the live version he did it on Conan, you said, mm-hmm. did he have the same kind of range? Just as good. Really? Okay. Right. Just so as it wasn't good. anything that was doctored um, or anything? No. So, wow. and I, That's I, impressive. So I watched an interview. The, the cool thing about this song is, so I'm one of those people that when I find something that I like, I dive deep into it really. Oh, you think? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I started looking up videos of this because I first wanted to see more live performances to see how often they can really pull this off, which by the way, he pulls it off every time. Mm-hmm. Um, is that a staple in the concerts? Did oh, yeah. I think, I think yeah. it is now. Okay. I think it brought... Yeah. I I'm think sure it, it brought not. a whole new demographic of fans really? okay. to to that band. But I saw a cool interview with him talking about it, and I think he said it was like four hours in a recording booth wow. with just hundreds of takes before they had the complete. That's not an easy song. A lot of that. people have not covered that because that's not a, a, an easy. It was. It's one of those epic songs like you just don't. It's you, an untouchable for sure. Right. I mean, you it's know, not certain a, untouchable songs. Imagine Hey Jude, <laughs> right. Tiny Dancer. Yeah. Certain, Other people have done them, but like he's like certain songs you don't touch. If you, on, if you do them, yeah. you need to you need to yeah, you just bring it to that level. Blow it up. Yep. And and they they do that. I mean, this song just makes you feel a lot of emotions. <laughs> really? Okay. Yep. And I can see that. You know, if you do search for this song on YouTube, one thing that you see a lot of which is super cool is um, a lot of reaction videos, which is like, I think is pretty trendy on YouTube. Oh, okay. Reaction videos. It's okay. people that are reacting to songs for the first time. Right. Uh, or they're reacting to films for the first time or something like that. But this has a lot of reaction videos, particularly by vocal coaches, which is kind of cool. Wow. And, they, you know, it's a lot of like professional vocal coach reacts to Sound of Silence by Disturbed. And 
a lot of them end up crying. Wow. And a lot of them, they're just amazed by his range and his power and the things that he can do. And they're confused by the piercings in his chin, which I still don't understand. <laughs> but, and, and have they, I mean, again, and I'm going to show my ignorance here. I mean, obviously, you know, that was sickness. And I don't think I've heard of them since. I mean, have they been a touring band, a band that has hits, a band that, you know, has that underground kind of feel? You know, I'm not, sudden, huge, I'm not a huge now follower. Now they're of jumping Disturbed. up and being noticed on a different level now because in a strange kind of way, and I know this is going to, this is going to freak somebody out. So we're going to get somebody right back and, and probably throw things at me. It's kind of made the mainstream a little more because it's a very mainstream song that they're bringing into another level. But now they're getting noticed by people who would never think to put but a Disturbed is it, song is on. Is it mainstream? Is Sound of Silence really that mainstream? Like I know it was a really big song. It was back huge, then, yeah. but it was it was well. You if know, anyone if, else covered it, would it be mainstream? I don't right know. Probably. Like I feel if, like if they put that if they put the same kind of raw energy and emotion into it, I imagine it would. But, I mean, I feel like this but, was like a, if you two did it, or if you know someone else did it, or Metallica did it, it probably had the same thing. But like the strip came out. Of I think if Metallica it. did it, I think it would be a similar situation. Yeah. I think if you two did it, it would be like, oh, here's you two being you two. You know, we, I know we disagree with you too, but what the, the interesting thing is like that I think this this guy's vocal expertise makes it something different. So it may not just be another you know great cover by Metallica or whatever, and that's why it's getting noticed differently. The only reason I, why, why I say it's mainstream is it is like if you look at anybody who who kind of grew up on that that kind of music back in the day, and, and I want to say it was early two thousands. Okay, I'd, yeah, early two thousand. It was the era of. Uh, Godsmack and yeah, System of yeah, a yeah, Down yeah, and Corn, yeah. maybe and they were mixed a little in. after Corn. They were mixed in with all that stuff. Yeah. But then you even go back further with with the Simon and Garfunkel version, and and we talked about this before too. That that song, I remember when I was in middle school, I had like the cool English teacher, you know, and every every high school, you know, it's like oh who, who, oh well she's the coolest one. She did a, an assignment on what's the line, um, the the, uh, the the poets written on the subway walls. Oh, um, signs of the prophets are written, written on, on the a subway, subway wall. And yeah. I, you know, I don't remember a lot about middle school, but I remember that assignment. I thought this is kind of cool, and it was like cutting edge at the time. What does it this was, mean? yeah, what it was it on the radio, and we were, you know, in a in a cool way, kind of talking about something new. And that's one of the songs that, again, generational, like everyone knows that song. Right now, to take it to this level, you know, not only are you bringing younger people in or people from different musical genres in but I think it's also bringing back some of the people who liked it in the first place like oh I know that song and I like this version it's even better well you it's know, so. different enough that you don't need to compare them right yeah so so well, like like think about recently Weezer came out with a cover of Africa by Toto yeah and it is not I mean it got plays and plays and plays on radio but yeah. it's one of the you listen to it and it's like okay so this is Africa by Toto this is a, a straight cover it they was, just yeah. they played yeah. it exactly like yeah. the original yeah. this is different enough that it's you know the song and you love the song but you can listen to it as its own right. song right like you can clearly and, separate it from and yet, the original the, version the, the original instrumentation you know with, with the, the modulation changes I mean with everything that kicks up it lends itself to somebody with with the same kind of chops that this guy has. Right. And know, I feel that, like he has it, it was a cute folksy song and stuff, but it meant something back in the day too. It was it was a you know kind of a it's a very bit deep, of a, deep song. A, a deeper almost revolution song back then. And, and now with his with his ability, it it just kicks it up to another whole notch. And you know it's one of those like why didn't someone else think to cover this in the same way over the last forty years or something like that? Because this is a great song, great way to do it. I think it's one of those ones that people didn't wouldn't know how. 
to do. I think because it is, it is very, I think anyone who doesn't actively listen to the words and the message that they're trying to get across and things like that, it can come off as boring, the original. Yeah. Oh, days. And I think. Yeah. Oh, 2019 without question. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think that no one would think to do it because how can we, like, they might have a great appreciation for the song, but like, how can we do it in a way that will actually work? Right. You know, without it being boring. You know, you know, it's cool to think of. That guy and the whole band, the disturbed band, and their publicist and their manager and their friends and everything sitting around the studio saying, Hey, here's a song we can cover. Like listening well, he to said that they, Simon they and Godfather. Like, and whoa, forth. okay. He said they went back and forth with a lot of different songs trying to figure out something that they can do that they wanted to do. That's awesome. And they brought it up and they were originally thinking of, okay, well, we're just going to do this like a disturbed song and they're going to, it was going to be fast and it was going to be heavy yeah, and yep. it was going to be hard. And, yep. and then I, someone, one of the guys in the band said, you know, I think we need to draw this back it's, and really go deep it's into It's kind of straight up. It's not that dramatically different. I mean, when it, it comes to the, the power, melody, it is. It, well, with the power and, and all that, it is. But it still kind of resonates in the same way. It's not, it's not a disturbed song. No, you know, it's so. the same. I mean, it's the same melody. It's not the same. The the background music is not really no, the no, same. It's not um, the same meter. But stuff, it's, right? I mean, it's so epic. I mean, the timpanis, yeah. the timpani drums in it just yeah. bring it up to this level where you're no longer listening to a rock band. You're listening to like an orchestra that is putting on this, this epic performance. Does that remind you of maybe Muse or something like that? Or? Somebody else who brings it to another level. I mean, muses, uh, muses on it. There, that's on its own level. <laughs> I know, but can you imagine this song at a disturbed concert? You know how epic it would be, and they must have some huge video screens. Can you imagine? Yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I bet be like. if you see, if you're in that crowd, I bet there's lots of people crying. Yep. There's lighters. There's people screaming. I mean, this this song. Nobody just, has lighters anymore. They use their phones. It it come hits on, you. Come on, I have to teach you that. <laughs> this song hits you in the heartstrings. I mean, I, yeah. I don't care how many times you listen to it, you get this. You know. There's certain songs. You gonna cry? You're right. <laughs> no, there's certain songs that you can feel when there's when you're listening to it that the singer put every single drop yep. of emotion and energy into it, and it's you don't get it a lot. But it's a rare circumstance, but when you hear it, it you you can really feel that energy and, every time. And as a musician, which you are, I, I you know I don't claim to be a musician. I you know, hit buttons and, and play music as a DJ and stuff, but um, I don't have the musical talent that you have. Isn't that probably what every musician wants you to feel? Because if they put the time and effort and love and literally blood, sweat, and tears into, that's a good idea for another band. That's now, a good band. That, now that, that, now that would never work. Um, into, <laughs> I hope we don't get into dad jokes here. We won't do that. I'm sorry. <laughs> that, that they really put their energy and their emotions, and maybe they cry at the end of it. They want their audience to feel that too. We can list off the number of songs that does that. You know, but I think you're right. I think this one takes it to that level without question. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, a couple of things. I mean, that moment around a minute, 40 seconds is really, that's what did it for me. That's what hooked me in mm-hmm. was when he started to kick it in from that kind of melancholy sound to a little more power. And you hear him building up. He starts, he's got that gravelly, yeah. he's got a, a screamo voice, you know, he's, 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 a, it's very, it's he's disturbed. very disturbed. It's disturbed. It's disturbing. <laughs> But no, you, you know, when if you listen to like Down With The Sickness or Stupefy or any of their bigger hits from the early 2000s, you hear that voice, that really kind of raspy, gravelly, but it's high pitched and it's, right. and he builds up to that and you, you hear the moment where he goes from like singing in that deep chest voice to getting that more throaty, gravelly. And it's a gradual thing that he builds up throughout the whole song. And as he does that, the backing, the grows, music grows. does it with him. Right. It grows and it gets more and more intense and loud and epic and timpanis come in and the strings and it's just like it just builds and builds and builds. And then at the very end, you know, he says that last line, the last line is the sound of silence and he says the sound and everything cuts off 
and mm-hmm. it's completely dead silent. Mm-hmm. And he finishes with of silence. Right. And it's just, it's a, a moment where it's like the perfect culmination of everything building up and then completely dropping yep. off within and well, representing the sound of silence. And it is. First off, I mean, it, right, it's silence, right? And so they captured the idea and then the thought of it. But if that doesn't give you goosebumps listening to that, you know, check your goosebump meter because Seriously. it's not happening. Yeah, no, you don't have a soul. And then second, <laughs> the second part of that is, can you imagine that live? Exactly. I like With I, lights I, I, I've and contemplated else, looking up to see and, what we'll go. What their tours are like. I would love to see them live. Oh, I mean, I like some of their older stuff because yep. they're, they're they just rock so hard, and yep. it's just you know, there's a certain level of nostalgia because they were popular when I was in like middle school. Yeah, I remember. I but, used to play those songs at your middle school dance. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I I would I'd, I'd love to see that live. That'd be pretty cool. Um, and then another great thing, which is the this is a great reason why this is our first episode, is you know my favorite line in the whole song is people hearing without listening, which yeah. is why we're doing this. Wow, you did that. Yeah. You pulled it all together. Went there. I didn't know you were going to do that. Yeah. He even caught me off guard on that, folks. Man, <laughs> wow. I'm just going to leave now because I can't follow that up. <laughs> Jeez. So, yeah, that's that's my first song, and I, you know, I'd love to hear what some of the listeners have to say about it. You know, I it That song hits me in the emotions, <laughs> in the feels. Um, it really does. I get a lot out of that, and it, you know, it's interesting how songs that are kind of sad and down and really dark and disturbing can really affect you in a ways that that you want to feel right. you know it's, yeah. it's weird so have you blown out the speakers in your truck a few times by no that? no i play that song kind of quiet i i recommend that our listeners when you listen to this song you get some good noise canceling headphones really good quality speakers so you can focus and sit in a dark room <laughs> in the corner <laughs> now you're getting weird block out the world and yeah. just just listen really really closely to it and listen for those timpanies i'm telling you that's what makes it epic yeah. and the strings and the guitar and his voice it just the culmination of that really it it it's really impressive so, so noise canceling headphones dark timpanies goosebumps yeah okay that's it that's all you need yeah Life is and good. then and then share it with your friends and tell people why it's amazing and let us know too as well yeah okay What's up, people? So here at YNL, we talk a lot about listening and hearing, but I want to take a second and talk about seeing because it's something else that a lot of us do, most of us actually, and it's kind of important for a lot of people. So this show is sponsored by WarbyParker.com. Warby Parker provides vintage-inspired prescription eyeglasses starting at just $95. And for you, the non-listeners of this podcast, Warby Parker is offering you guys a free five-day home trial run for up to five frames of glasses for completely free. So you get five frames that you get to have in your home, try them out for five days, wear them around, see how they feel, see what you think. And then if you want to buy some, you can buy some. Make sure you check out the link in our show notes to the Warby Parker trial website so you can start trying them out now. Thanks so much. Back to the show. What do you got? Next? I, yeah, I can follow that up. You're kidding me? <laughs> we had, again, my Spotify list that I that I put together with the ideas of some of the things that I wanted to kind of talk about is all over the map, but kind of a little more predictable because... I just did the, okay, what songs do I love and do I want to want to share and all that? And I kept throwing suggestions and, and my, my son over here kept saying, nah, it's got to be something more like everybody else understands and nah, it's got to be something more contemporary and stuff. And I don't, you know, I don't want this to turn into, you know, Sean's got the, the young, cool stuff and I got the oldies kind of thing. No, but we, you know, we're going to get to those other songs. I yeah, just, I just yeah. want people to well, I think ease out the, into this. <laughs> out, of, out of the gate, like it should be something that, you know, isn't obscure. You know, right. and it's like, okay, I can do that. So I had it down to a couple, and I was real close to going with the Sly and the Family Stone, just because that's what I grew up on, and and I and I love Sly Stone, and and 
there's just a couple epic ones that it's just so surprising that if you don't really listen to the words, you're going to be shocked by it. But we'll get to that somewhere down the road. So I went with um, a CCR song, Fortunate Son. <laughs> if now, you've ever seen any movie ever made about with, the Vietnam about, War. Or anything war-wise, <laughs> you know, you've heard that. All right, once again, this is the time for you to go to the official You're Not Listening podcast playlist and listen to this song. And when you're done, come on back and we'll talk about it. The interesting thing about that is, um, you know, it's, I think it was on 69. It was a B-side, actually, uh, to, who was it, with um, Down in the Corner. It was like on their fourth album or something. So it wasn't, you know, their, their first album and the, the, the big um, let's, let's intro CCR to the world kind of thing. What it album was that on? I think it was on Willie and the Poor Boys. Oh, that's right. They were not, you know, that wasn't like Cosmos Factory where they had, you know, everything was a hit and everything was epic. Cosmos was Factory is one of the greatest it albums is. of all it time. Is. And if you don't have that in your rotation, you need to do that. Yep. I'm yep. sure we'll I talk about songs from I that. I challenge movie. you to go do that. And, uh, you know, for anybody who's who's not really familiar with John Fogarty or with, with CCR, they were a band that you don't know, that you don't know that you know all those songs. You're like, oh, I didn't know they did that. Oh, I didn't know they did that. Oh, I know that. And then not just Proud Mary. Proud Mary is a great song covered by everybody and every- and That's every, not their song. Every cheesy band, right. in, every cheesy band band in the world that was this song John Fogarty they wrote, wrote that, that. Yeah, oh okay that was the original you know and, and every wedding band and everything else has always played that but you don't react to CCR and John Fogarty and Creedence Clearwater Revival based on Proud Mary because that's their cutesy top 40 kind of thing and everything else the rest of their catalog is unbelievable this particular song that the reason I chose it is a quick one two like it's 220 it's super short yeah it's a I quick was actually, hitter I hadn't listened to that in a long time and I listened to it again today and I was like, like holy crap there's yeah, like nothing it's to it's over this. right yeah but there's I think there's three uh, different verses in the chorus but it's one of those that you know everyone I think for the most part has heard it in some shape form or whatever and maybe Everyone's covered it too. Yeah, and it, yeah, the, and it, it's such a good rocker and everything else. It's easy to play, I think. So you know, the you old know, three chords and the truth kind of thing. But it's one of those that when you hear it, you know immediately. You know, the first couple three chords, like I know what this yeah. song is going to be. Yeah, without question. And the the original intent of the song by Fogarty, it, it was an anti-war song, but it was also an anti-privilege song. So if you're somebody, and, and I think one of the... the uh, yeah, because it's something to do with the draft, right? Yeah, the verses, yeah. So it's a big, like, you know, don't, don't you know, have me fight your wars, you know, for, for your blood money and everything else. But a lot of it is, you know, if you have the privilege, you're not going to get drafted. Or you, you, you know, you, or you can get you, out of it. You'll you're you're going to have someone kind of protect you and all that. So, so it's it was an angry song written against. And, and the interesting thing was that Fogarty was in, I think, the army or the some or the navy or something. But he was he was actually in the service and then left. But he just played it with with such ferocity that it just sent the message. And it was not it was no apologetic. It was not meant to be anything more than just in your face against the, the Vietnam the War. Big old finger. Right. And when it hit biggest was Apocalypse Now. When you know the images of you know over the rice paddies and and with the helicopters and all that and and that that's I think the thing that sticks with with everybody in the mind. Fast forward, it's been in video game. I mean, I, I actually have the list here. One of the like it's been in Forrest Gump. It's been it, Forrest Gump. It had a huge piece. I think it's in Tropic Thunder. It was. <laughs> it was in. Um, Battlefield uh, Vietnam, it was on Call of Duty, Black Ops, you know, so some big, big video games. So anything that had a war intent, whether it was going to be video games or, or movies or anything, you know, it was on Family Guy. Like, it was like, had that thing. So if you want to do something with Vietnam War or anti-war, like, Fortunate Son was being well, played. Well, it's, it's become the, the thing that sets the tone. Um, my buddy at work had to travel to Vietnam for work. And I okay. literally said, as you were landing, did 
did Fortunate Sons start playing as your plane was yeah. landing? Because yeah. that's everything. It has every, to, yeah. Everything yeah. people know about Vietnam in right. the U.S. is right. is CCI. And and the, <laughs> the the cool thing is is that it's one of those things that I think is so natural that people hear it and they, they, it's familiar and they probably even know the words. You, you know, even if they're just kind of a casual fan. But again, in in the intent of of this this whole podcast is go back and listen to it. Mm. You know, and listen to it with a whole different set of, of ears of the old, okay, and you, not even, you know, nostalgic of the old, oh, the anti-war movement, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, if you close, you know, we, we talked about that with, with the other song we were just discussing, put the, the headphones in, go to a dark room and listen to it. The images that are going to come on up aren't maybe going to be necessarily 1969. It can be today, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's one of those songs I think has, has crossed generations that it, it can be just as contemporary nowadays, which is why I think it's so popular. I think a lot of times they'll, they'll use it for the purpose of being nostalgic or being controversial or having something to do with the, the imagery of, of war back in the 60s and stuff. But I, I think that you, it's just as easily used in whatever you need it's to translatable, do today. yeah. And there's not a lot of songs that can do that, from the 60s especially, because, you know, the anti-war movement and all that, you know, you're not going to be able to play, um, you know, Aquarius Let the Sunshine in in, in, 19, in 2019 right. they all and have the same kind of thing. Yeah, of one you know, song. But that does, you know. One of the, the dreams that, and is, I've seen a lot of bands, Sean and I have actually been to a lot of concerts together and on. I've been to a, a million over the years. I was that kid that, you know, um, was always on his own and, and music was always my, my refuge stuff. So music was, was the thing. So been to a lot of concerts. I've never seen Fogarty. He just started touring within the last couple, three, five years, whatever. And I tried to hint to this guy sitting next to me as well. The rest <laughs> of my family, like, get me tickets. He was in Boston and, and I didn't do it. And, and I need to go see him. I want to hear him play all the songs. I want to hear him play that song. Mm. That's one of the things I think is just so, so, so powerful. But if you go back and listen to it with a contemporary ear, in 2019, I think it resonates just as, as strongly. And, and not so much anti-war, but just like privilege. Right. You know, and, and being, you know, being... Classism and... Right. And, and that, I mean, especially in the political stuff, which we're not going to get political in this, but of what's going on, I, I think that stuff can be cranked every day on any kind of issue on CNN and every other yeah. station that's being played. And it's not just lyrics, though. I mean, oh, this is a great song. Yeah. yeah. This is, a, I mean, I, I'm always so baffled. I, I'm not an engineer <laughs> or a Although I play one on TV. Not <laughs> yeah, I'm not a, produce, a music producer. So I don't, you know, I listen to a lot of music. I love music. I can produce podcasts. But I don't understand all of what goes into recording an album and how how it works. In the 60s, I don't I I cannot understand how a vinyl record is able to have stereo sound. I just, huh? I someone, listener, please explain to me how it works in <laughs> layman's terms because it doesn't make sense to me physically. Right. But if you listen to this track, with a good set of headphones, like we mentioned, you should always listen to these songs with just good quality headphones because you, you'll hear everything. The stereo sound in this song is really cool because the two guitars are completely separated right, for the right. whole track. Yeah, so you hear in the stereo. beginning that dun 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 yeah, dun dun dun, yeah. dun and that's coming on your right and ear. But then that burn burn that's coming in one ear. And How's then that again? there's burn okay, <laughs> But then they do the You, you didn't see he did he did the hand movements. Yeah, you gotta too, do so. it. Yeah. But no, there's the, that riff is three parts. It's the doo doo and then it goes down, and that's in the other ear, and it just yep. it throws you for and a that's, loop. That's at the beginning of what, you know, I, I don't know the exact time and everything, and somebody's going to correct me and say, no, it wasn't then. It was, you know, June of 1968, Jim, or whatever. But <laughs> um, that's when true stereo started to come on out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were listening to the same stuff headphones back there too. I mean, they were the big cost headphones, the size of Volkswagens on either of which are now popular again. Oh, they are. Okay. (laughs) Well, you know, the big cans. Yeah. 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 So, and, and 
you know, it wasn't as good a quality, you know, as, as what you have now, but, but it, you know, it cranked on those and it was for that purpose to make sure you had that separation. Uh, and it was a, it was a very different way of hearing it. And if you listen to a lot of songs from the sixties, they, they're like crazy about stereo. Yes. Like yeah. it, stuff bounces back and forth like yeah, crazy. Yeah, to the point where sometimes if you don't have that right setup in your car and stuff, you're only hearing part of the song. One of the songs that does that, that drives me crazy is a, is a Buffalo Springfield song. That, like you're, all I'm going to hear is like the background music or, you know, the, yeah. the, the, back, the backup singing stuff like, oh, this is because it's just not set up in the same way of the true stereo that they Well, built. there is one song that I have on on our on my list that we will get to at some point and I'm not so I'm not going to say what it is, but the verse starts out on the left side and then gradually as you go through the verse it moves over to the right Whoa. side and it's really like it, it, it messes me with your equilibrium, yeah, yeah. but it's really cool. Yeah. Um and we'll, we'll And get again, to that. talking about an engineer, uh, you know, the intent of of the musicians, I'm sure that's exactly what they want you to feel. Oh, absolutely. They go through that and they, you know, I know that when you're in the studio, you can bounce it back and forth and choose yep. where you, I mean, I know how to do that in right. Adobe Audition, but I don't know how they did it analog, but you right. know, I know there was a way that they could do that. And you know that they go in there and they say, no, that that's coming out of both speakers. It's going to, it's much better yep. coming out of the left speaker. Well, that was the, you know, the, the Beatles, you know, with, with their innovation around um, uh, Sergeant Peppers and, and the Beach Boys with their pet sounds, like they just broke, broke, broke barriers of all different ways to, to do some of the, the, uh, the recording and um, stuff that no one would have ever dared try. And they just they just did it and everybody else kind of followed suit afterwards. So, you know, everybody says about the Beatles coming in and, you know, being the, the groundbreakers and, you know, all the, 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 the Beatle movement and you got to get the, the boots and the hair and all that stuff. What they did sonically in the, in the studio, uh, because they toured a very, very short amount of time. Who, CCR? No, no, the Beatles. Beatles is they changed recording completely um, because they were all tremendous musicians and willing to take chances mm, and on all um, kinds of drugs and they, they were on and all that was the part drugs. of it so and they George, had they had no reservations about but, anything. but you know what but that was a part of it but they also were, were willing to take you know things to the next level when no one else had the guts to do that and george martin their um their producer was really innovative that way and then you know brian wilson was a master of that as well so those guys set the tone for things like this you know for the, right. for the true stereo and all the cool thing that, that that i really like and this is one of the reasons why i knew that this is one of the first songs i want to try to talk about with the uh, the fortune son is as you just said you know if, if there's such a thing as you know you, you can extract the lyrics and just to have a soundtrack you know the typical karaoke but ccr doing it not like somebody like Tell karaoke like mm-hmm. you don't want that you want the, the actual music from the band with the with the lyrics pulled out and stuff that is an unbelievably strong driven track i mean yeah. that you oh, yeah. you can't help but just feel that you know again Crank it up, feel it in your gut, and it's a very special thing. No words, it still hits. It's well, the, the rhythm guitar and it sits so far back yep. in the track, so it's like you know th- that that lead guitar, that that riff in the beginning that I sung a bunch of times that I won't do it again. That's right, you is, hit it though, you nailed is, it. Is right up in the front, and it's yep. it, it is on it's and like that's piercing. Yep. But the the rhythm guitar. It, it sits behind you. You can hear it sitting behind the drums and behind the bass. It sits so far back in that recording that it's like it's almost like if the song is in your head, that's in your chest, right? And, and so it it drives it from like this. It's just it has the energy and, behind it to push that. Forward. And I think that was the, the you know again people know John Fogerty if they just know him casually if they know CCI casually they know him as, as Proud Mary. But I think that's also speaks to his 
um, knowledge and desire to, to make sure it was right. He really cared about being a good musician. He didn't care about selling records or being a star on on, uh, on a stage. He wanted to make good music, and it, made, it was always on top of making sure the music was exactly where it needed to be. And I, I don't quote me on this again. Don't whoever writes me and says, oh, again, you're wrong on that, <laughs> don't, Jim. Remember, I, we're regular guys. Yeah, right, right. Uh, <laughs> we're not engineers, you know. But I, I think this might have been the time when he had a split with his brother and everything else, and maybe he was maybe getting some of the other band members mad at him and stuff, but I think he might have played almost every instrument on that song, too. Oh, really? So it was one of those things. That, that is mm-hmm. what he had the capacity to do, and I don't know if that particular song, if he did it, I wouldn't be surprised. Hmm. The other thing that, that I thought was really interesting, I did a little research on it, because, you know, again, I love I love the song. It, it hits me. Uh, in the same way, and I can't help but just kind of like, oh, th- here, it, here it is, and, and every time I crank that up and drive people off the road when I'm driving to work <laughs> or whatever, is the amount of people that had not only covered it but used it and all that stuff. And I think one of the most interesting things was, and, and this was a testament to um, a company that actually had a bit of a conscience, for a lot of years, uh, Fogarty lost control of his own music. Okay. Um, that happens a lot. Yeah. And for, through a couple of really bad legal deals and everything else. So there was a, you know, a riff back and forth and he wasn't even allowed to play CCR music, you know, for a while there. And oh, he wow. went to some deep depression. So, so long story short, he's now, I think, in control of his own catalog. But for a while there, he wasn't. So companies could just come in and steal his music and, and you know, obviously get the rights to Do it whatever via, they want, via right? company, whoever, whoever owned it, you know, with the lawyers and stuff. And do commercials or do other things. So Wrangler Jeans out in the West Coast used to use it, you know, and use a, a version of that and just had done it for a, a while. And I, get to, I think this was back in the mid-70s, something like that. On TV ads? Yeah, so TV. So again, you know, you know that that very classic riff and, you know, people are going to recognize it. And if you're on the other side of the room, it's like, oh, I know that song. You're going to look at the TV and pay attention. There's, there's jeans in front of you. Genius. But genius. Genius. Ha ha. Yeah. Huh? But you huh? No, stop it. Not so bad. That was a bad dad I'm pretty joke. proud of that one. No, don't. <laughs> um, and then, uh, and someone at one point, because Fogarty was living out in California, at one point had asked him, I don't know if it was a live interview or something on TV or whatever, um, said, well, what do you think, you know, that, you know, that your music's being played, you know, for, the, for this jeans commercial, Wrangler Jeans? And he said, I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. And people were surprised, like, what? Your, your music, you know, your music's all these years still getting played, and it's, it's you know, it's, it's contemporary, and it's on it's TV. all over and the country. And how could you not like it that other people are hearing it? He said, I, I was never intended to, to, to be someone hawking jeans. If I care about the music and the intent of it and everything else, I never wanted to be commercial that way. And Wrangler Jeans, to their credit, I think, like, the next day or the next week, pulled it. Wow. Pulled it. You don't hear about That's that. That, that, that companies have that kind of stuff. But, again, one song... And the stories that, that it can kind of take in, in the diff- different directions it can take you can be pretty amazing. The cool thing about what, why we're doing this podcast and the cool thing about me sitting here with my son is that we have these kind of conversations. If you can have that conversation with someone who gets it as much as you do, that just kind of brings everything to another level. And it's like, hey, you guys coming in, like you've been in the driveway talking for two hours, like, all right, mom, <laughs> I'm sorry about that. And, so, and that's what, what, what is, is hitting us and why we want to kind of do this because there's so much more to just hearing a song for two hours, two minutes and... 20 seconds on the radio and moving on and not have it affect you. That's what we're looking to do. And that's what that song did for me. Can we talk about John Fogarty's voice? Because it is so unique. It is, because it's higher, too. And you said you were talking about how important it is for him to have the music right and have it be perfect as he sees it. Mm -hmm. It's never going to be perfect Mm -hmm. in his eyes, I'm sure. Right. But his voice has such a like chaos to it. And still does. And it's like all over the place and it sounds messy and it sounds but it's so the music is so tight. Right. Like 
he's yelling and he's screaming and he's ranting and it's all over the place, but he's hitting every note the right. same. Right. And the, the beats are all, all tight. So it has this like controlled chaos to all, is, every CCR song is like that. Like right. it feels messy and it feels like back home, you know, Southern country, you yeah. know, I mean, look at songs like uh, looking out my back door. Yep. It's very like kind of, the back porch sound, you know, well, you get that, it, yeah. but it's so tight. The, the music is so tight and it's, and it's deliberate and it's like, and I think he, he never calculated fit you know? into a box, which is why it became popular because it was different, but you, you put some good rocking tracks behind it and it worked. The funny thing about Fogarty is, and, and I guess I kind of knew this, but I didn't know it in, in detail until I read his autobiography recently. I mean, he's a California boy and he always gets tanked with like swamp rock. I mean, that right. was the thing. He's a swamp rock and, and, and he's, he's embraced that. He, right. I mean, born on ne- the bayou. He's never lived in Louisiana. Right. He's not from there. He didn't have that experience. He didn't grow up on the bayou. He was not born on the bayou. <laughs> he wasn't just looking out his back door, you know, on, you know, on, on some, you know, swamp somewhere. It, it, it was something that he got tagged with and he ran with it. But he was a California, a California guy through and through and found this niche, you know, and it was almost country, almost rock. There was, you know, it wasn't the, the the Southern California that's the, kind of whip the, rock I mean, stuff. That's it was the Southern rock. Yeah, yeah. They cre- he, they ultimately created the subgenre of Southern yeah. rock, really. And it works, you know. And people embraced it. And, and you know, I, he's one of the bands that back in the day, I can't even imagine what uh, would have been like to, to see them because I just have a feeling they just ripped the stage up. Mm. You know, they. Um, it just feels like dirty. It, it, you know, yeah, it's rock. You listen yeah. to it and you feel like it feels like the color brown. Yeah. <laughs> You know what Swamp. I mean? Swamp. <laughs> like you know? it, it, that's what I'm saying. Like that, it, it's that type of music that just has that kind of kind of dirty, yet, messy, if, like if you, angry if you sound. Ever, if you ever listen to him, if you ever see an interview with him or read anything by him stuff, he seems like the genuine nicest guy. Mm-hmm. You know, who really cares about people, really cares about his family, really cares about music. Not just I want to be a star, I want to be wealthy, but cares about the music that he, that he produces. Still does. He was telling a story that during. Uh, I mean, this is obviously the big year for the 50th anniversary of Woodstock. He played. I want to say, I love was like late, 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 early in in the evening or early morning or whatever. But he said they they played. They went on right after Grateful Dead. Mm. He said, and you know they came out and they were ready to rock the place. And you know the lights come on up, and he said and everybody was sleeping. <laughs> it's like so, the dead either put them to sleep, but they were all drugged up, and like they, so. And he said, "Is uh, there was one guy? I can't remember the exact quote and how the story goes, but I, I think I'm remembering correctly. There was one guy, or somebody yelled out in the middle of the crowd, like however many hundreds and hundreds of yards away, like, don't worry, John, we're with you,' or something like this. <laughs> and he said, "We played to that guy." Nice. And we played an entire set, and again, 30, 40 minutes, however long all the bands played during Woodstock, he said, and it was the best show we ever played because that guy got it. Yeah. Everybody else was sleeping, but he said, we played for that guy. And I think that speaks to his character as, as a musician and, and as a band. And that guy um, probably would have been you oh, or me yeah, if it was, this, yeah. you know, like. Well, and, and that's something I think we're going to bring up a lot during this podcast, that Sean and I have this thing where we used to go to shows, and we still go to shows, you know, and, and whether it was... Buffett or Springsteen or you know whatever gaslighting whoever it happens to be, and we're sitting like enthralled by or standing sitting enthralled by the music and waiting for the next line and waiting for the next note, surrounded by people who all they want to do is drink and you know maybe sing to the hits and all that stuff and we're the weirdos saying like I I want to make sure that I listen to every oh I love that that B side from you know back in I've gone to shows with people and I think they get bored with me because everyone around us is jumping and dancing and running and I'm standing there paying attention kind of just listening yeah and that's 
and not drinking nerd. and not going, you know, f- you know, fifty times back and forth. Well, you know, well, but but you know, you know, those guys that keep going, those people that keep coming in front of you, like, oh, you have another beer, you just missed ten songs, yeah. great, buddy. Well, here's you the know, thing: and those beers are s- like nine bucks each, so right. I don't do that we're, because I can't afford yeah, it. Yeah, we're we're there for uh, you know for the music. As well as the experience. I mean, and all the OAR shows we went to and everything else, like we're standing there like absorbing it. And other people are like, you know, the frat boys that they used to, you know, kind of be tagged as, as the, the frat boy band and kind of stuff like the jam band thing. Like they're going crazy and everything else. Like, okay, yeah, but just listen, the lyrics are so good. And yeah. I don't know if we were nerding out or whatever, but it always seems like we, we were doing that. So maybe that yeah. is kind of the first generation of, you know, why we're doing something like this podcast. Yeah. Well, back to Fortunate Son before we finish yep. out. We're, we're pushing 50 minutes, but Whoa. back to Fortunate Son. I will say that that is not my favorite CCR song. Mm-hmm. I don't play it regularly. Um, I challenge you to go check listen but, to it again with headphones. But I think what it is, is it's because I've been, it's been so oversaturated because of the movies yeah. and the video games and the, you know, every, like I said, anytime that there's anything to do with war that's but, not But it's current. easy, because of that, it's easy to say, oh, here's that song again. Right. Versus if you go back and listen to it, I think you'll get an appreciation right. again. And I yep. love me some CCR. I mean, yep. I, I have two or three songs that I just absolutely love by them. And this is not necessarily one of them, but I have a deep, deep, deep appreciation for the song, for everything that we talked about, because it, it is uh, it is important and it is musically, it's really simple, but that's what makes it yeah amazing is how simple something It doesn't have to be. be complicated. It just has to be right. Right. Yeah. So yeah. what's your favorite CCR song? Put you in the spot. My favorite CCR song is Bad Moon Rising. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I like um, and their cover of uh, "Heard It Through the Grapevine." Yeah, because it's got a nine-minute guitar solo. Yeah, I was gonna say, you know, if you have the time, you know, right. so you have to have a long commute on that. No, one. they just, you know, they have certain songs that just dig into me, and I, yeah. and I really like them. And I have a couple on my list, so we'll get to them maybe like a year from now. But. I like uh, I like some of the Fogarty's individual stuff, and and not so much Center Field. I mean, that's good. I'm glad you had a, with that and everything. But I love uh, Hot Rod Hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and rocking all over the world is one of my all-time favorites. Like any, you probably know this. Any mixtape I made with with uh, with cassettes. Any back in the day when I used to make my own eight tracks. You know anything I do on on iTunes or or uh, on my phone now will probably have that song right. on it. And the the different versions I've heard. I've you know friends of mine, the Stompers, have played that. The Springsteen's version of it. Nothing like the Fogarty version is maybe one of the best songs I've ever heard. Right. So, so I think yeah, maybe maybe we can add a couple of songs to the playlist if you like these songs that we talked about. We'll also throw in a couple of songs yeah. that you might like. Yeah. So you know, maybe we'll throw in. I'm sorry, we're branching out in the wrong direction. No, it's no. My fault. Maybe we'll maybe we'll throw in. I mean, unless you're planning on having an episode with rocking all over the probably world, probably not. And, I, so I mean, we can throw that in there. Could, maybe we'll, maybe we'll find another disturbed song that's on a similar yep. level. I don't think Stupefy matches up quite no. <laughs> well with nope. Sound of Silence. Put but back, you know, you know, Born on the Bayou, and maybe uh, you know. We we have we have enough bandwidth I think for uh, heard it through the grapevine and it goes on forever. But. Yeah, I don't think I'll do an episode about that, but you can guarantee that at some point I'll be talking about Bad Moon Rising. Because, yeah, Bad Moon Rising. That's it. No, but yeah. Yeah, so. yeah. So that's our first episode. I hope you guys liked it, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. You got anything else you want to say? Uh, no, thanks. And um, hopefully. Um, you're going to be going to the the different various places to see us and and comment on Facebook, comment Twitter, on Twitter. I think you're going to be the Twitter master. I can do that. You can do most of the Twitter yeah, stuff. I'm not. I'm, I've never been very good at Twitter. And if you like what you heard and you want more of it, you know, make sure you subscribe on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Swoot, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere that you listen to quality podcasts. Right. We were we will be on there. And um, if you want to support us, make sure you check out our Patreon page and choose one of the tiers. We go from demo tape all the way up to double platinum. So. 
you know, there's different tiers for depending on if you want to donate $1 a month or if you want to donate $2 a month or up to $50 a month, you know, that's all up to you. There's different benefits for each level. So we really appreciate your support and hope you enjoyed this. And and if John Fogarty wants to help, you know, certainly chime in as well, as well as, you know, the band Disturbed, you know, feel free to to jump in and give us your opinions and, you know, and give us money. That'd be nice. Yeah, that'd be cool. (laughs) We're going to, we're going to be doing this. I don't know if it's going to be weekly or biweekly. We haven't quite decided yet. You know, it's in the beginning stages, so you kind of bear with us for a little bit, but join us whenever you see us on here and clean out your ears and listen up. Bingo. All right. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.